All right, so during the break, I asked the coach, John Cantero, sitting in for Tony Gwynn Jr. today. I'm Chris Ello. Welcome back. Third and final hour of Gwynn and Chris for this Tuesday. I asked the coach, who was the first? Don't answer right away because there's probably some people like you're riding oh, around well. and want to think about it. I said, who was the first guy ever? And Because we've been talking about the old days and the Padres and Westgate Park. <laughs> Which I never saw because I didn't come to San Diego really until, the, until the early 80s. But uh, I asked Coach, I said, who was the first batter ever for the San Diego Padres? Ever. Like the first game, first major league game, bottom of the first, leadoff hitter, and Coach gives me the number two batter and then gives me the leadoff hitter, and I'd never heard of either guy. It's incredible. <laughs> you are unbelievable, Coach. Yeah, the game's always meant a lot to me, Chris. To be honest, think with about you. it out there. If you can, if you, I mean, we don't have a we don't have a quick prize we could cobble together. We don't. But uh, just think about it. If you come up with it out there, you are one of the great Padre fans of, in history. If you can name the first guy ever to take an at bat. For the San Diego Padres. In the meantime, Scraby, let's get uh, to our Big Five today. Begin final countdown. The Sienna Field Superstar. Big. Woohoo! I say, sports fans. Five. Hope you're ready for this. The Big Five. Big Five. I can't even remember who let off the game yesterday, let alone who <laughs> let off the game of. Hang on you know, a second. I got to look at my box score from yesterday. And I'll yeah. let you know. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's hard to remember yesterday, but you can remember, you know, forty nine years ago. I. It is kind of weird, but it's true. Definitely true. I've always felt that way. If you want to get me on a trivia question, ask me something that happened last week. I know. <laughs> but if you try to get me on the nineteen seventy four, forget it. I'm going to nail it. All right, number five, Scraby. All right, there were some fireworks yesterday in Detroit between the Tigers and the Yankees. Tiger pitcher Mike Fires, he, he's the guy who broke Stanton's face a few years ago and huh. why Stanton wears a face guard to this day. Well, he hit him with a pitch early in the game. Stanton wasn't happy, and the two had words as he went to first base. In the sixth, though, Stanton hit a monster home run off Fires, and rounding the bases slowed up to make sure that he stepped on each base to make sure, and he made sure everyone saw it. And as he crossed home plate, he stared back at the mound and pointed at Fires. Now, Fires isn't happy and said Stanton was, quote, uh, childish. Chris, do you think that Stanton was childish? He might have been a little bit, but you kind of remember when a guy hits you in the face with a fastball (laughs) a few years ago and shatters your face. And so to be honest with you, I think Mike Fires ought to understand the fact that John Carlos Stanton's probably never going to forget who this guy is. And if he does take him deep on a 500-foot blast, he's going to take an extra second or two to round the bases. You hit the guy right in the face. But did you see how he stepped on the bases? It was really stupid. It was like he slowed down, and then he stepped, and then he would run again. I un- all I'm all My answer to you is that I understand it. That's okay. what I'm saying. Coach? Okay, a couple of different things. Uh, first of all, because uh, Stanton got his jaw broke, uh, now everybody's wearing that longer face mask. So that, that, he's a trendsetter in that area. Okay, right. uh, fires came on a three-one pitch, came high to Stanton and got him. So he goes to first base, and Stanton looked out there, wasn't real happy with him. And then he ends up hitting that home run. And I saw everything he did. He had the nice long wait at the plate. He had the bat flip. He took his sweet, uh, you know what, time going around the bases. Uh, I heard what the fires had to say, but at the end of the day. 
Fires won the ball game, and that's all really matters. They won that second game of that doubleheader after the Yankees pounded the Tigers in game one. Uh, Fires got credit for the win, his fifth win of the year. That's a good rivalry, those two. Fires if, and if I'm Fires, I agree with you, Coach. You won... Shut up. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> I agree. Number four. Tom Brady made his way back to minicamp, and Coach Bill Belichick says everything is just A-OK in New England between the two. Coach, how much of the supposed feud is media-driven, and how much do you think there is a basis for? Oh, I think uh, there's some animosity there because of what happened last year when uh, Belichick uh, told uh, uh, Brady's personal trainer, you can't be down on the field any longer. So mm. I think there's some animosity there because that guy had been a part of Brady's entourage for a number of years. Chris? Uh, I agree with the coach that there's animosity, but I think the reason for the animosity is that you're just talking about two type A, as good as what they do at their jobs as anybody on the planet, guys. And if you get two guys like that, they're going to clash because both of them thinks they're smarter than the other guy. And in this case... They're both probably right to a certain extent, so it doesn't surprise me that there's not going to be a little animosity, but they're also both smart enough to know that if they kind of work together, they can do some amazing things together, and that's what they've done. Like win six Super Bowls? Not that many. Number three. Five Super Bowls. Uh, Lakers star, I guess I can call him a star, Isaiah Thomas, he caused a ton of problems in Cleveland. Then he went to the Lakers, and he is not done sliding the Cavs just yet. While on Jimmy Kimmel, he lost their family feud-type game and said this. Do you know the name of that alien? God. <laughs> I've watched that numerous times, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the Cavs. I'm going to get swept. <laughs> Chris, do you think IT is a bad apple? No, he's not a bad apple. I think he's a good little ball player. Things did not work out for him in Cleveland. He's on to Los Angeles. He hasn't been able to show what he could do because he's hurt. And he got a chance to get off a funny line right there on national television, and he and he got <laughs> off a funny line. Coach? Well, I think uh, when you look at the Celtics let him go, and, and Celtics are an awful good team. I know they got Kyrie Irving, but, I mean, that guy was absolutely magnificent a season ago. Uh, I think he's going to wear down. I think we've already seen that he's wore down. Uh, I was reading something the other day. It looks like he's going to start uh, beginning full workouts here in a couple of weeks. We'll see where it goes. But, you know, I, I can't see him being back with the Lakers. I, I just can't see that. Really? You think no. they'll just move him? Yeah, I just don't think he fits with what they're trying to do right now. They might be able to get something for him because I still think there's some people out there that think he's a great player. But you're right, Coach. He's probably he's a little too small to last in the NBA, and I think that's kind of just showing out right now. Number two. Sticking with the NBA, now that the Rockets season is over, reports are out saying Chris Paul won't come back to Houston for anything less than the max contract. Coach, is Chris Paul doing the right thing? Uh, I wouldn't bring Chris Paul back uh, at the max contract. Chris Paul's made over uh, $186 million in his NBA career. He's made more money off uh, off the court. He's 33 years of age. He's starting to break down. Uh, I think uh, what Chris Paul ought to do is, is he had a pick where he wants to go and get a ring before he retires because he's running out of time with uh, bad legs not going to win one in houston uh well you know chris paul's in the first chapter of my book don't you <laughs> is he yeah, yeah, he's not, he's a not chris real paul well liked around uh the league not not and i'm not he, he's not very well liked by me thank, there's the book thank you i have a we have a big book that <laughs> lists all the people i don't like in it and chris paul's he's in there anyway coach just double so check you know. triple check um so i could care less what he does uh, i i would imagine that chris paul is going to probably do selfishly what's best for chris paul and to a certain extent i can understand that 
to another extent. That's why I'm not a big fan. Don't you want to get a ring, though? You've made all that money. Don't yeah, you want to I get think a ring? Would Take be, a little less I would money think and that win. That, I would think that would be important to a guy, but I don't think it is to Chris Paul. I think making as much money as possible is important to Chris Paul. That's why I'm not a big fan. Number one. All right. Have you guys heard of Luke Heimlich? Yeah. Yep. Okay. The Oregon State pitcher who pleaded guilty to molesting his six-year-old niece when he was a teenager. He wasn't selected in the first 78 picks of Major League Baseball's draft on Monday, yesterday. People are split on this because he says that he didn't do it, but he did accept a plea deal for it. Chris, would this have uh, held you back as a GM? You know, I read the article on this uh, kid. Uh, it was a Sports Illustrated cover story about a month right, ago. Right. Uh, he pitches for Oregon State. He would have faced the Aztecs this weekend had the Aztecs been able to win a game like in that regional. One now. Well, he's the best pitcher in the country. Uh, a lot of people say, but he hasn't been drafted yet because of this this problem. And he's a senior. He didn't get drafted last year when all this came out. Yeah, and it wasn't supposed to come out. Somebody, I mean, whatever, I, leaked look, it. Some the information out. <sighs> I really am all about giving people second chances. I'm not at all about giving third and fourth chances, but I think this kid deserves a second chance. Wow. Um, I it's tough, but I would I, I would take him at his word and I'd bring him in on a very short leash. Coach, uh, I agree 100 percent with Chris. I can tell you because I've talked to some major league teams over the last week, and I asked specifically about Heimlich. The teams that I talk to, they don't even have them on the board. Wow. And, and it'll be very interesting if somebody does, maybe late in this draft takes him. He's a senior. They'll sign him for 1000 bucks, 5000 bucks. He's not going to get that big payday that his ability would, uh, you would think. Uh, but again, you got to do a lot of due diligence before you ever pull the trigger and bring him in because you're gonna, it's going to be a media circus, whatever organization drafts him. I mean, those are some very, very, very drastic accusations. Yes, they, they I mean, come on. Let's, uh, we don't even need to go into detail. But the point here is that I, I like what the coach said. Somebody needs to bring him in in a situation where he has to earn his spot. You, you know what? I'll, he I'll can't be, be given a spot, not based on what's happened in his past. You, you know, it'd be interesting. And Matt, maybe you can work on this. Uh, you know, I, I don't know when Tony's coming back. If he's here, uh, uh, I know he'll be here tomorrow. Be my, <laughs> I don't know if I'm here on Thursday, I guess is what I'm saying. It would be really interesting if we could get somebody from up in that part of the the country if he's not drafted, or even if he is drafted, and talk about that situation. I I find this to be very interesting. Well, it was interesting enough for a Sports Illustrated cover story a few weeks ago. All right, good job, Scraby. There's our big five. Well done. I'm Chris. That's the coach. We're coming back more on 97.3 The Fan. Are you ready? Leading off <laughs> for your 1969 San Diego Padres in the first game that they have ever played, your shortstop, Rafael Robles. Who in the hell is that? How did you come up with that? Well, I remember seeing him play. How about the second hitter? What's interesting about the second hitter, Roberto Pena, and they called him Bobby. The year before, he played for the AAA Padres, and he started for the big ball club that They just night. brought him up in 69. Yeah. Rafael Robles, here's the thing that why there's no way you should possibly remember him, but you do. He was the first batter ever for the Padres, shortstop in 1969 on opening night. 
He only batted 20 times the whole season. Yeah, they, they replaced him. He didn't last him. very long. Yeah, well, they also made a trade with the Dodgers, and they brought a guy named Tommy Dean, and I think Tommy Dean came in in 69. He did. Yeah. Dean was the regular shortstop in yeah. 1969. Yeah, they, they made not, a trade for him. But he was not the starter on opening night. No, the that's opening correct. night starter was Rafael Robles. Well, the other guy that started that night and got traded within two weeks was Big Bill Davis. <laughs> uh, they called him the Jolly Green Giant. They traded him to St. Louis. All right, I knew you were going to give me the whole lineup. Well, I'm because good on Rafael that, Robles. No, it's because Nate Culver became the full-time first baseman, the all-time franchise home run leader. Still is. Yes, he is. You ready, Coach? Hey, think about this. Next year's the 50th anniversary of the Big League Ball Club. What kind of uniforms are they going to wear next year? Blue. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, don't, I, I don't understand it. Um, and we're the Padres radio network. We're the home of the Padres. We love everything Padres. But it's my personal opinion that more people in this town by a mile want to see them go back to some sort of brown. Yeah, I rather would agree. than have blue. The thing that gets me is that the Padres keep saying they've done all the research and all of this and all of that and the other, and the research tells them that the blue is the way that the fans want to go. I would believe that if I ever ran into a fan who said I love the blue, <laughs> but I've never run into one that said that. Every fan I've ever run into says, "God, I hope they bring the brown back full time." Yeah, they so, they don't need the banana uniforms that Ivan Morell wore, okay? You know, or the the gold tops and gold pants, okay? Did you just say Ivan Morell? Yeah. These names you're pulling yeah, out are great. Ivan the Banana Man Morell. He was a, a boxer there. Uh, he's from Panama. He actually broke up on a. Uh, I'll tell you a great story. I know you're going to die on this one. I was wearing my little Hanson uniform. <laughs> Excuse me, coach. I've already died. No, listen to this. You listen can't this. get me anymore. It was Little League night. It was a Friday night. Believe it or not, Little League night. And I'm wearing my Hanson surfboards uh, uniform down to the game. Bob Gibson is pitching for the uh, the Cardinals. Cardinals that night. He's got a no hitter until Ivan Morell breaks it up with a base hit. In what inning? The fourth? Oh, I want to say about the eighth. <laughs> Bob Gibson. So, so Bob Gibson could not do as a St. Louis Cardinal what Bud Smith did do no. as a St. Louis Cardinal. I heard that later. last night, by the way, on the pregame show. Yeah, but you know, I, I, there there were those first uniforms they wore. Actually, I kind of like those weren't bad. No, they weren't bad at all. No. They, it got a little goofier as we went uh, through the the seventies. Or no, yeah, question. but everybody got goofy in the seventies. The Astros, remember the you know the crazy rainbow? And they had the pa- uh, number on the pants. Yeah. Everybody got crazy in the 70s. I think the Padres could go back to something in the 60s with the Brown. I and think it's a be big fun. year coming up. The 50th anniversary of this Major League franchise. I know. Got a lot to show for it, too. Lots to show for it. What is Kevin Millar? You know who he is. Yeah. Kevin Millar, he's now on the yeah. MLB Network. That's right. where most people know him from. But he was a first baseman for the Marlins, Red yeah. Sox. First baseman outfielder. All right. How about uh, Frank White? Remember him? Yeah, for second baseman for the Kansas City Royals. How good was he? He was an all-star. An all-star. Like a regular all-star almost every single year. Played 18 years. He's in the Royals Hall of Fame. Right. Frank White. Yeah. I'm going to give you another name. Larry Boa. Larry Boa. Everybody knows who we he know is who Larry Boa here. is. Yeah. He was an excellent player before he was manager at the Padres with the Philadelphia now, are Phillies. Are we going somewhere with this? Yes, we okay. are. Okay. All right, we're going somewhere. I mean, Kevin Millar and Larry Boa. And And Frank White. Yeah, Kevin Millar doesn't fit those two guys. If you can throw out Ivan Morrell and the people you've thrown out, I can throw out Larry Boa, Frank White, Kevin Millar, and my third baseman, 
Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. How good was he? It, it, he was real good at one point. Really good. But he, he got old in a hurry. But is he still getting paid by the Mets yes, today? Yes, he's still getting paid like $800,000 a year by the Mets for the next 50 years. He had a really good career, but... But he got old in a hurry. When he when he lost it, he lost it in a hurry. He and Bonds came up together in Pittsburgh, and the two of them were fantastic. Yeah, well, and Bonds I, went on to do I, the thing. I, yeah, but I think Bonds, uh, you know, he had the, the fountain of youth helping him. Yes, he did. Uh, all right, I'm going to give you a left fielder now, Kevin Mitchell. Kevin Mitchell, pretty from good San ball Diego. player from San Diego, yeah. right? National League MVP once upon a time. 1986 for the Giants, National League MVP. I'm real anxious to see where we're going with this. Center field. You ready to give me give you my center fielder? Yeah. Dan Gladden. Oh, Dan Gladden. How good was he? Two-time World Series hero with the Minnesota Twins. I remember Twins. when he broke in with the San Francisco and Giants and ended up with, with the, the Twins. Giants. Outstanding with the Giants. He's a broadcaster now, I think, with the Twins. Dan Gladden's fantastic ball player. And the best player of them all, right fielder, Larry Walker. Larry Walker, in my estimation, should probably be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, and the only reason he's not is because he, he played, played for the Colorado. Rockies. Gonna, the what's going to happen so with Todd him. Helton? Todd yeah. Helton should be a Hall of Fame player. Right. So they take all of Larry Walker's achievements away from him because he played for the Rockies, but they shouldn't. Hey, there was a, a period of time, we'd have to go back and, and break it down with everybody else, where Larry Walker, for probably, kind of like Dave Parker, probably for like a three- to five-year period, Unbelievable. those guys were the best players in baseball. Larry I mean, Walker, Larry Walker the could do it all. He, could, he was one of the best players in baseball. And I'm going to give you one pitcher. Former Cy Young Award winner, Bruce Suter. Bruce Suter, the split-finger fastball. Won the Cy Young in 1979 as a reliever for the Chicago Cubs. Now, do you know why I gave you all those names? But you names? know who taught him that pitch? I mean, he was no. about ready to get released. and there was a Rafael Robles? No. Oh. Uh, a guy, there was an instructor. He was like a scout, an instructor for the uh, Cubs, a guy by the name of Fred Martin. And he taught him the split-finger fastball, which was basically the old uh, forkball. But that back seen. in those days, he was the only guy who had the split-finger fastball. Yeah, now everybody's heat. got it. Now, do you have a catcher for me on this team? Hang on a minute. You got a catcher? I thought I gave you a catcher. No, I don't remember. Uh, you my catcher's, My catcher's terrible. Mike Redmond. Mike Redmond. All right, but you know who all these guys are now? I'm going to tell you what they all have in common. You ready? Oh, I have a feeling I know where you're going now. Not a single... One of these guys was drafted. That's amazing. None Th- of them. Those are great players, too. How about that? Great players. Just keep that in mind as you watch the rest of the Major League Baseball draft this week. That's There's good no stuff, way Chris. to know what's going to happen with these guys going forward. That's good stuff. I think uh, Frank White went through. Remember the Royals had that academy? He was a great I think him player. and UL Washington went through that academy together. How did Larry Walker not get drafted? You know, he was drafted he was in, in Canada. He was, in, he was drafted in the 12th round in 1977 by the Montreal Canadiens yeah. to play hockey. Well, the, the problem was the baseball scout went up to Canada to look at him, and he had a hockey stick in his hand, so he thought it was the wrong Larry Walker. Huh? Larry Walker. I remember when the Padres had... Um, Coach, we're over the break. Finish it up when we come back. Scravy's going to kill me for not killing you because we're not making the breaks. Go ahead. I was going to remember when they said welcome to sea level. 
Remember when they said welcome to sea level and they had those t-shirts? It was a giveaway. Yes, it's I remember Diego. Larry Walker wore one of those underneath his jersey that night because I got to do the starting lineups down on the field that night at Qualcomm. Oh, you did? I was all excited. I was so excited. Oh, I practiced wow. at home before I went. I bet. Okay. And Larry Walker that whole weekend just tore the Padres apart. Larry that Walker t-shirt. could hit in any ballpark at any sea level. No question about it. That's a pretty great baseball team I just gave you right there. None of them were drafted. Uh, Chris Ella, the coach, John Cantera, we're coming back on your home for Padre Baseball, 97.3 The Fan. Oh, my goodness. Today has been some crazy, crazy ride. I think I'm going to wake up and just think it was a kind of a dream. Fear and loathing? A good dream, though. I've had a great time today with the coach, John Cantera. I'm Chris Ello. Tony Gwynn Jr. will be back tomorrow. Not only back tomorrow, but the two of us will be broadcasting live from uh, Ale Smith Brewing Company. That's tomorrow, 3 to 7 p.m. Make sure you drop by in Miramar. Uh, we are going to be giving away uh, all kinds of stuff. Lululemon gear, Padre tickets, First 97 people to stop by each will get a family four-pack of tickets to SeaWorld. That's 97.3 The Fan Night at SeaWorld on June the 21st. And it's all coming up tomorrow. Go to our website, 97.3thefan.radio.com for details. That's 97.3thefan.radio.com for details. And while you're there, read my blog today because you'll get a kick out of it. And, 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 and you know what? It's a blog that anybody can read, Coach, because it's about my mom. Everybody's kind of, we all have that in common. Absolutely. 100%. We, 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 may, we may not see eye to eye on whether or not to visit the White House, but we all have a mom. So we can all see eye to eye on that. Uh, game number three of the NBA Finals comes up tomorrow. Uh, a lot of people think it's going to be a sweep. They just do. And, and I think people thought it was going to be a sweep before the series started, and I thought that was really unfair uh, because you're you're looking at a guy like LeBron James, who's one of the greatest players in the history of the game, and you're telling me that his team is woefully overmatched. And I just can't imagine any team with LeBron James on it being woefully overmatched. But I'm starting to think a little bit, Coach, that after Cleveland did not get out of there with that Game 1 win, it affected Game 2. And Golden State played much better in Game 2. They hit the boards. They played defense, which they really didn't do much of in Game 1. And here's the real reason that Cleveland's going to be in trouble. Andre Iguodala is now listed as questionable for Game 3 tomorrow night. The Warriors' former Finals MVP probably going to be back in their lineup. And once he comes back... I don't know that Cleveland can find any openings, yeah, even though they'll Chris, be at home. You don't, you don't know how well he's going to play. He's been out for five games, okay? And you don't know where he's at. A little longer, at. I think, even. Well, yeah, I, but five I, or six games. Yeah, yeah five right. or six games. I heard yeah. five yesterday. But the, the bottom line here, I do think Cleveland will win. I think they'll win tomorrow night, actually. Really? You think yeah, they'll, they'll win one? I think it's probably going to end up going five. I Tony, think. Tony's hilarious. What does he call it, Scraby? Gentleman's sweep. He says it's going to be a gentleman's sweep. That's where the Warriors give Cleveland a game. Well, it's a gentleman's sweep. It's night, a sweep, but they give them one and game. And then I think uh, Golden State gets serious again, and they win game four back in Cleveland, and then they come back to the so Bay Area and wrap it up. Deal. You know, it's really unfortunate because I – you know, I, I didn't see these two teams even being equal of one another. I, I knew whoever won in the West was going to probably win it. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about it yesterday. LeBron just doesn't have the, the firepower with the guys around him that obviously Golden State. I mean, Golden State now has become a dynasty. 
Well, three out of four championships, and by all rights, they should have won all four. I mean, they right. really let that one series get well, away. Well, LeBron had some incredible couple of plays years ago. in that, and they had Kyrie Irving. and They blew a know. 3-1 lead. Three one series leader, they'd be looking at four in a row. And as good as the Bulls were, they never won four in a row. The Lakers never won four in a row. Uh, Golden State is one of the great teams in NBA history. I I, I honestly believe. Look, we we've discussed this in the past, and you can go nowhere with it. It's fun, but you can't get anywhere to try and compare teams from different eras. No, you can't. You just can't get there. Uh, everyone was great in their era. One thing I can do though. Is I can come up with a with like a, you know, an eight team tournament, where I would place the great eight teams in this tournament. I think Golden State would make that tournament. Do you? Uh yeah, I think they would because they shoot the basketball exceptionally well. Exactly. Okay, Who's going right to guard there. these guys? Let, let me ask you this, and you know, we can talk about the Bulls how they would match up. But let, let's talk about the Lakers with, with Kareem and Magic and James Worthy and Byron Scott and Michael Cooper and they Kurt Rambis. It seems like they could how, beat anybody. How would they match up? How would they handle Kareem? How, How would the Warriors handle, handle yeah. Kareem? Fake right, go left, skyhook a 15, <laughs> good. Huh? How would they handle him? Well, I think when the one thing the Warriors would do if they had to play against Kareem or against Wilt or against uh, you know Bill Russell, if you want to put the 60s Celtics in the mix. I mean, Why any, not? Sure. Any of these great centers, Hakeem, Elijah with the uh, Rockets in the 80s. I think the one thing that the Rockets would do to those guys is run up and down the court so fast and get shots off so quickly and move the ball so the quickly. No, 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 no. The, this Warrior team okay. would do to those teams. Okay. And you're saying, how would they handle Kareem? They would they would not let him defend anybody. That's what they would do. And they would force the Lakers either to take him out of the game or give somebody like Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or Kevin Durant wide open three-point shots. Because... If you play the see, it's a two way street. You're saying to me, how would the Warriors guard Kareem? And I agree, they'd have some trouble. But they've got four or five centers that could use up 15, 20 fouls, bumping them around down there. All right. But the problem that the Lakers of the 80s would have, and so would the Bulls, and so would the great Celtic teams and everybody, is how would they guard this Warrior team? They've got Kevin Durant seven feet, and he shoots three pointers, coach. What are you going to put Kareem on him? You can put magic on him. Okay. Fine. Or James Worthy. Okay. Fine. And then who are you going to put on Clay Thompson? Clay Thompson. We'd bring in Michael Cooper off All the right. bench. Now, who are you going to put on uh, Steph Curry? Uh, You're running out of guys, is what I'm saying. Right. Everyone on Golden State can hit 30, po- 30 foot shots. And they do. Well, first Draymond of all... Draymond Green, first of all, also, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Draymond Green would hold his own against Kareem. Kareem would score his 25, 30 points. Don't get me wrong. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the greatest score in the NBA history. But Draymond Green would give him some... would make him work for it. Oh, no, he Draymond would. Green's a great physical player, But I mean, they coach. had great physical players back in uh, Kareem's day. I Bill Bridges, some of those guys. <laughs> Bill Bridges, that's in Wilt's day. Huh? Bill Bridges was played with Wilt in the early 70s. Well, they had some tough guys. Maurice and I know Lucas, Jerry, okay? and, I, and I'll tell you what, Jerry West is... Lonnie a, Shelton? Jerry West is one of the greatest players in NBA history. Right. He's the logo, He's for the heaven's logo, sakes. Right. He just turned 80 last week. All right, let me ask you something. As great as Jerry West was, is, was... And I mean, we watched him in his prime growing up in the seventies. Right, Zeke you probably from Cabin saw, Creek. You probably saw him. You know, Scrabby, you can't believe the stuff he's pulling out here, but I it's can't. all so spot on. 
Yes, the Zeke from Cabin Creek. Where, where did he go to college? <laughs> West Virginia. Yeah. They also called him Mr. Clutch. Mr. Clutch. You know, one West. thing I know is that they had much better nicknames back in the day. Way better. Absolutely. Way better. No the doubt. Banana Man. How about Art <laughs> Hambone Williams from the San Diego Rockets? All right, get me back to Jerry West. Will you please? Okay, we're back to number 44, Jerry West. The Zeke from Cabin Creek. Yep. Nobody shot better in the NBA in that era than Jerry West. He's a line drive shooter, too. But he, I mean, he was unconscious. He was a dead eye. Dead eye. They didn't have a three point line, didn't, you know, he still scored 38 a game. Who's better, him or Steph Curry? Uh, Steph Curry. Yeah. That's the problem. These guys now shoot from further out. And at a better percentage well, Steph Curry than they did in quick. the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even in the zeros. But I would say that Jerry West was a better defender, I think, in, in his era well, than Well, Jerry Steph West Curry is a fantastic player. He was a great all-around player. Curry's a little undersized to be a great defensive player. Right. He does his thing. He, he knocks some balls loose. He makes some plays. But when you're talking about shooting, the percentages of these guys right now, the way these kids shoot for Golden State and even for Cleveland. I mean, I know Cleveland's overly, you know, completely overmatched. Look, Kyle Korver shoots 43% from three. Yeah, but, but 43% but career. But Kyle Korver hadn't been playing a lot. I mean, Kyle Korver's been around. I actually saw him in person a couple of years ago play back at the Barkley Center when Al Horford and them were playing with the, the Hawks. Right. I mean, he's an unbelievable shooter. He's of an unbelievable he shooter. Is. The guy that's killing him in this series uh, so far, and even in the last series hurt him, was Jordan Clarkson, the former Laker. He hadn't been able to throw a pee in the ocean. They didn't get anybody in that Laker trade. That's what hurt Cleveland. Is that they is that they got Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving, and they got nothing from Isaiah, and they trade and they got and all they got is Larry Nance, and that's all they're really and Larry getting. Nance, and I like Nance. He's okay, but, he, but he's still trying to figure out his kind of role he's with okay. the Cavaliers. He's okay. He's got to get through a training camp. You got to really appreciate. You have to. I don't like the Warriors. I'm getting sick and tired of the Warriors. I'm really tired of their fans. I'm waiting for the Lakers to get better. I'm really, really tired of the Warriors fans. They're getting on my nerves. All right. Bay Area fans can get on nerves unlike any other group of fans. And that includes Boston fans. And that includes all the rest of them you can name. Bay Area fans, believe me. I lived with a couple of them during the 49er glory days, and it used to drive me crazy. All right. So I'm a little tired of the whole warrior thing, but well, they mustn't have paid their rent on time. You're the, pretty the nasty thing. On those the guys. thing about the warriors is is that I still appreciate how great they are, and I really do. I and it was Scraby asked yesterday on the Big Five. What'd you ask, Scraby? What do I think of every time Curry loads Shoots up a up three point crazy circus three? 30, and and I said I hope it goes in absolutely because I love to see the guy play. I love to see this guy play. I I think this Warrior team would be in a tournament with the Great Bulls, the Great Lakers, a couple of versions of the Great Lakers, Mm -hmm. the Great Celtics, the Great 76ers, and Moses Malone and Dr. J. And I think you'd put the Rockets in the tournament, and you'd put the... uh, the Lakers of Shaq and Kobe in the tournament. You'd have to put the Spurs in there with their five championships. But this Warrior team could play with any of them because this Warrior team would give them fits at the defensive end of the floor. They wouldn't be able to guard this team. Nobody can. I think, Chris, one of the things when you look at this Golden State team, and and we go back in history and talk about showtime and getting up and down the court – in in playoff basketball, you got to be able to execute your half court offense because no team is going to allow you to just run up and down the floor like they do on Wednesday night games on NBA on TNT and stuff like that. Okay, <laughs> that's true. You, you've got to execute your half court offense, and when this Golden State team really gets going, 
It, it's a picture of beauty. I mean, it, that's what anybody would like to have their basketball team perform like at, at any level because there's constant movement. And I don't know how these guys are, have been able to do it because these guys not only are great players, but they got to be damn good people because the way athletes are now, athletes are so selfish. It's all about me. They've made this work now for four years. We we'll talked see how about, much longer they can do it. It's funny that you mentioned that because we had a guy from the uh, Golden State Network on last week, and I asked him that question. How is this team, of all teams, with egos like Durant and, and Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and the rest of the club, how have they managed to play as such a team? And that's a, it's a, partly a credit to Steve Kerr and the job he does, but most of it